0: What's up, everybody, and welcome to another episode of the Ladies Let's Talk About Sex podcast. I'm your host, Felicia, and I'm a lady talking about sex. And this week, we have a topic that we've actually never discussed before on the podcast, and I don't know why it's taken us so long to get here. We're going to talk about periods. And we actually have Ruby Moon from August um, to kind of come and talk about menstruation and periods and all the
1: things that you do, Ruby. So do you want to introduce yourself? Yeah, sure. I'm so excited to be here. Thanks for having me. Um, so yeah, my name is Ruby. I use the pronouns she/her, and um, basically, I I'm working for August, which is um, a company looking to reimagine and destigmatize periods um, and period education and period care. Um, I'm the education lead there, um, as well as um, part of the community engagement team. So. Um, my role kind of embodies a lot of different things, but I can talk about that some more after. Yeah.
0: Do you want to like tell people kind of why you got into period education? Like what the purpose of that, like what it meant to you?
1: Sure. Yeah. Um, so I guess I, I learned about August um, through Instagram. So following the CEO on Instagram and she has been an advocate in the period world for a few years now, Um, and I'm someone who just likes to absorb lots of information and education, and I use my social medias to to learn, Um, and so it wasn't necessarily periods specifically that I was drawn to with August, but it was this idea of continuous education and learning and making education accessible, Um, and then through kind of doing some Zoom calls with them and talking with them. I was like, okay, this is a really important subject, and I've learned so much even in the last six months of being with this organization. Um, so, yeah. No, absolutely.
0: I think that that happens kind of all the time when you join an organization or you you kind of ally with a community. You like learn more as you go, and that's something that I've been doing too with this podcast. So, through your work and kind of what you've learned over time, what are some like? maybe like the top three misconceptions about periods and menstruation that like people come it's like the same questions over and over and over again
1: yeah there is a lot of misconceptions (laughs) like i think that it's because of the lack of education and just the misinformation that is out there um so recently a couple days ago we had this one situation where someone posted someone not a part of august posted a video of them with a really exaggerated model of a uterus in their hand. And so it was smaller than the palm of your hand. And I reacted to it and then posted it as a reel on Instagram and it blew up. So I think we're at like 7.6 million views right now, which is crazy. Um, It's just me like raising my eyebrows, essentially reacting. But then in the comments, everyone was like, how does something so small cause so much pain? And then one of the August medical board advisors, um, we have a medical board who helps us verify all of our content and Um, helped us create this database that I can talk about after too. But basically this medical board advisor came and she was like, yeah, so it's not this small, but it is only the size of your, or sorry, it's not this small, but it is only the size of your fist. Um, And everyone was like, what? Like we thought this was the size of our stomach or like as wide as our hips. And it's because we've never seen a proper diagram or like a two scale diagram of a uterus, you know, or very rarely have um so that's one from recently and then another one i would say is definitely about period products and tampons specifically is that everyone's really scared of tampons because all we're told when we're younger is tampons are associated with sex and sex is dirty and bad or tampons cause tss and you will die from tss and there's nothing in between right and it's just a huge misconception about tampons and their safety and what they actually mean and something we like a narrative I guess that we push a lot with August is about how you know virginity is a social construct and so is the fact that tampons are associated with sex and that sex is dirty and that whole thing just stems from like history and you know sex being considered a dirty thing so those are probably the two prime ones and then otherwise people just ask a lot about irregularities and Um, pain and cramps. So yeah.
0: No, absolutely. I was definitely like on that bandwagon with the uterus trend this week too, because I was even thinking about like, I know a lot about sexual health and I don't know what a uterus looks like, like 3d form. Mm -hmm. And even I was thinking back to like my Um, education like in science class and they they do have the like 3D models but it's always of the small and large intestines and it's like what does that do for anyone like who cares like really like who does that I don't know it's just really interesting to me the things that they teach us in science class when like we're literally robbed of like all human sexuality education and like even just like the biology like they don't even talk about genitals like from a scientific lens which is really interesting so Mm -hmm.
1: or if they do it's very like segregated and gendered and you're learning the bare minimum of whatever you don't have or and it's very gendered generally like what you're learning right Mm -hmm.
0: so why do you think it's so important to kind of begin to deconstruct these like period misconceptions like for people who would say like oh what don't uterus owners already know about their bodies or like how does educating about periods affect anything people have been getting away with it for centuries now with no information and no education like why why now and why is it so important
1: yeah well for so many reasons but I think the main one is that everyone knows a menstruator if not is a menstruator we literally all came from at least one menstruator depending on like how you were born and conceived and everything right so the fact that there's a lack of education is just like ridiculous it's just ridiculous is the only way to explain it because it means that more than half the population maybe not more than half the population but the population of menstruating aged people like they're being affected once a month by this and so you're going to be interacting with people who are on their period and um yeah, it's going to affect kind of like their day-to-day lives and maybe they don't show it, but that's part of the issue with the lack of education is that, um, you know, people, the lack of education and normalization about periods ultimately comes down to a gender inequality issue, right? So like if you haven't, if, sorry, I lost my train of thought. I'll pause for a sec. (laughs) Um, I'm going to just look at my note here because I had something um yeah no problem okay so yeah so the lack of education and normalization about periods ultimately comes down to a gender inequality issue um like you'll notice that I haven't really been saying women throughout this at least not when talking about people who menstruate and we're trying to push this phrase like not all women are menstruators and not all menstruators are women um but even considering this like the gender inequality issue still stands cis men are currently the dominant gender out there everyone else is marginalized right from a gender perspective. Um, and anyone who menstruates is marginalized and often penalized for being a menstruator. And the issue with a lack of education is that, one, like, people don't know what the experience, other people who don't menstruate maybe don't know what the experience is like. And so they'll either think it's super dramatic and extremely exaggerated, and it will kind of undermine the value of a menstruator's voice, right? So they, they said, like, Kamala Harris can't be the vice president, president because once a month she'll make irrational decisions. Like, that was a narrative that was being spewed. Which is ridiculous. And then the other side of it is that um, people who are actually in pain can't advocate for themselves because it's kind of seen as taboo and like there's this currently I feel like with this sort of wave of feminism as well there's this um, I guess narrative going around saying like we all need to be strong and the best versions of ourselves all the time which isn't true And especially for menstruators, like, and people who have complications to do with their periods, it can be really debilitating, right? And it can, it can stop you and you need to take that rest. And I think that education will create um, awareness that will allow for people who menstruate to advocate for themselves, both saying I'm capable of making decisions despite my hormonal shifts, but also I need to take rest because this is what's going on in my body. I a
0: hundred percent agree. And I even think it's really interesting to think about the way our society is structured and like the way Western workdays are. This whole idea of like nine to five being the like ideal or the glorified version of things. If we lived in a matriarchal society, there would be a huge shift towards like the way we approached work and the way we approached work and our bodies. Um, mm-hmm. There's this huge like culture like within toxic masculinity, but also within just like capitalist culture of just like pushing through, going to work, being sick, dealing with it, no paid sick leaves, like all this crap you see now with COVID too, and workers not being compensated for their paid sick leave, and then obviously spreading the virus because they need to make money. Um, And it's really, really interesting how people may not see it now, but really, providing everybody with this education and understanding is really going to help our society understand and unlearn what we've been taught Mm -hmm. um, to hopefully make spaces and workplaces accessible and just like like better in general for everybody like I think people forget that the system still like the system still hurts men too Um, it hurts people it hurts menstruators it hurts non-menstruators like it hurts everyone
1: it's really not a good setup. <laughs> no, a hundred percent. And like something that I have been trying to learn more about, because obviously I'm not, I'm not a doctor. So like as an education lean with August, I'm still learning. And my job is more so to take the medical information and turn it into Gen Z lingo. Right. And like mm-hmm. make it digestible. So I, I'm not an expert, but I've been reading up recently about how like, um, menstruators are on a hormonal cycle and it's however long your menstrual cycle is right so on average like around 28 days is what people say but like it can be a lot longer than that or a little bit shorter um but people who don't menstruate aren't on that cycle like they're on the way that they're like hormones and brains work and stuff is on a shorter cycle so there is a disconnect and exactly like you said like society is not built for menstruating people um so and our cycles our natural like body cycles and so we're dealing with that and like having to navigate the different phases of the period and then also navigate just like our day to day lives. And sometimes those don't match up, unfortunately. But yeah, I think all this to say, like society needs a general shift um, <laughs> in culture for sure.
0: <laughs> no, I 100% agree with that. And I think too, and I'm sure you probably find this, there is an extensive amount of Scientific information and education on penis owners. Mm. And if you look at the comparison for whether it's like menstruation research in general or any sort of complication with menstruation, so like endometriosis, excessive bleeding, thyroid issues, the science is not equivalent for the amount of people that are being affected by these issues. And the same mm. thing with like any sort of sex research or sex education this like there's a vast amount of information about penises I could like read about penises for years days centuries but if you ever you know want to do any research on like the clitoris the Mm.
1: the information that you have is like so 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 limited Um, you know what is interesting as well on this on this um topic about like what is out there right now and scientifically researched is about COVID. I know we talked about it a little bit, but COVID and menstruators. And we recently have been talking a lot on our August um, on our socials about how um, there's really a lack of research about menstruators generally. And with the effects of the vaccine and stuff, it's, it's even more so. And there's all these um, studies coming out, observational studies talking about how like there have been changes in the menstrual cycle or like the flow, or the pain, or any of the symptoms that come with menstruation um, during like the period time specifically. Um, there have been changes with from people getting the vaccine, and what the issue is is that there's a lot of misinformation being spread, saying like this is going to affect you forever, or like all this stuff, and people are kind of exaggerating it um, because like maybe one study said it, but really there's only ten studies total, or something like that. Um, And in reality, uh, we've had our medical board, the August medical board um, kind of clarify some things with us. And yes, there have been changes, but what they're finding is that they're actually temporary. And so it'll be maybe like one to two cycles, one to two of your cycles will be a little bit abnormal and then it will it should regulate. And obviously if it doesn't, that's the time to go check in with your um, primary care physician or your doctor, but um, that is a prime example, I feel like of something that, like the vaccine is affecting everyone and half the people getting the vaccine are probably a menstruator, you know? So, yeah, it's just one ex- another example of where there is a lack of research um, and a gender inequality gap. No, 100%. And I
0: think it's been really funny watching all of this misinformation kind of spread about because, like, you and I obviously know how to read scientific journals, but a lot of the people spreading the information don't even take the time because there are. There are scientific journals that don't have good sample sizes, don't take mass, you know, arrays of populations. Also, scientific journals, as of now, really only focus on the two binaries, Mm -hmm. like penis owners and uterus owners. And they're pretty, like, male, female. Mm -hmm. They really don't look at intersex people or trans people or anyone else. Mm -hmm. So there are faults within science journals, but it's really, really important to like look at the quantitative evidence that has come out of it because they can say, oh yeah, there has been a link. But like when you, you know, read beyond the abstract, you see that like the link has only been shown in like one third of the population sampled. And if the sample
1: population is 10 people, then that's three people. You know what I mean? Like it's Mm -hmm. just. And it's the kind of thing that people are reading this people who aren't menstruators reading this and being like oh yeah here we go again menstruators exaggerating their pain or exaggerating the the change in flow like it can't be that bad and that's just so harmful yet again you know so (laughs) kind of going off of this topic but towards more of
0: like the pain um conversation with menstruators um, for people who like may not understand or maybe some like, non-menstruator listeners, how does period pain affect people in their day-to-day lives? Right.
1: So periods can be, like I said before, extremely debilitating for a lot of people. Um, I will say like I personally don't suffer from any severe complications related to my period. So I don't know how much I should talk about other people's Um, you know, lived experiences. But I will say that talking to our community and um, being on our social media, like behind the scenes, we get a lot of DMs and stories shared about their rough periods. And there are so many um, complications like pelvic inflammatory diseases and endometriosis and PCOS and all of these other ones that I literally have only learned about since working with August. Like I kind of knew what endo was. I kind of had heard about some other complications, but not in the same detail and we've had one person come on to our social media a lot um she runs a really awesome account called her underscore uterus and she's come on for some ig lives and stuff um and she has been talking to us about having endo and a various various other um issues i guess and just from watching her stories and stuff like she's going through it day in day out right and she is having to stop doing things she's having to Um, you know, take take the load off class course wise for school. And she's struggling and she talks a lot about advocating for herself um, in a medical space, like talking to different doctors and really trying to figure out what's what's wrong, what's going on over and over again, even though she's been diagnosed with things like the complications don't end after the diagnosis. Like there needs to be treatment. Right. And I think the thing with pain, another misconception is that pain is normal and it should be normal. It's not pain is not normal, right? Like we manage our periods and menstruators have such a high pain tolerance um, because we've been taught to have a high pain tolerance, right? And I think that that is just messed up. Like, <laughs> like we were talking about before about, you know, society and structures and not being able to advocate for ourselves and um, say when we're in pain, like, if, if you are experiencing pain, regular consistent pain, either, you know, throughout many periods or throughout just like one cycle, like a 28 day moment, you need to go check in with a doctor. Um, because there are so many complications that we don't, that aren't talked about, but there are a lot of treatments, right? Like, so this isn't to scare people and say like that you're going to have a complication if you have any kind of pain, but like there are so many lifestyle habit changes that you can make. There are so many things that you can do to manage your symptoms and um, regulate it a little bit. So it's always worth checking in with a doctor or like a naturopathic doctor as well. It doesn't have to be, that's the thing is we have on our medical board, we have, you know, like OBGYNs we have, um, and then we have like a lot of naturopathic doctors as well as like psychiatrists. We even have um, a, uh, we even have a um, surgeon, like a, a, a surgeon to work on um, more like sports related injuries and stuff. So we have a really diverse medical board, but it's interesting seeing the conversations between the naturopathic remedies and the, the more like hormonal treatment ones. Um, but talking about how there's not a one size fits all solution to period pain as well. And that you can kind of find what's best for you in your unique body. But all that to say is that like, yeah, pain is not normal. And severe pain definitely is not normal. So always, always worth going and checking in and talking to someone about it.
0: 100%. And I think the normalization of pain really stems from like the way we perceive menstruators and the way we've perceived menstruators throughout history. Menstruators are typically femme presenting and femme people are typically depicted as dramatic or Mm -hmm. annoying or just kind of like invasive None of their vo- like their opinions or their feelings have ever been validated by anybody in our society. Everything that femme people have had to do, we've had to validate ourselves. And now, as the science is kind of proving that like menstruation is extremely painful, I know there's a there's a a journal right now comparing uh, period cramps to uh, like heart attacks. Mm, yeah. Um, I don't know how factual that one is. I haven't looked at it like super in depth, but I have like pretty, I I, I would say I'm like on the normal side of my period. Granted, honestly, I don't know. Um, but I do have pretty painful periods, nothing that I've ever been diagnosed with before, but I also haven't self-advocated. So like I could be blindly walking around with a problem and I wouldn't know. But um, yeah, I really, really, we teach, uh, lesson plans to high school students and elementary school students. So when we have our menstruation um, lesson plan, we really advocate for students going to doctors and learning how to advocate for themselves, because granted, doctors are there to support you, but not all doctors are great. Mm -hmm. So you also have to learn how to self advocate and know your body. Um, And one thing someone told me was like, nobody knows your body better than yourself. So don't let anyone
1: convince you otherwise. Um, yeah. But it's so frustrating when you go to doctors, like from w- the, what I've been, you know, hearing from other people's stories is going to doctors and like just no solutions coming out of it. And you're, it's exhausting to self advocate. And I think that that is also part of like our push for having accessible education as well with August is like we need to put the information out there so that people can go and do their own research and know what the doctors are talking about as well. And like, you know, not to say you, you can't self diagnose, but like you can kind of have some more firm conclusions going into maybe an appointment and saying like no no like this is what I understand about what's going on with me so yeah because self-advocating it's just it's it's really tiring it's hard to stand up for yourself one in one out so yeah it's part of the
0: it's part of the resistance right now we're still in this movement we're not unfortunately we're not there yet um and I work with a lot of people who have had to like self or not self diagnose but self-advocate for either different like STI testings because STI testing is is another Mm -hmm. tobacco in itself they don't test you for everything when you go and say test me for everything um and even just like any sort of pelvic pain beyond period pain um like vaginismus like that's always like a big thing and people go to like GPs but then they go to naturopaths and then they go to pelvic floor specialists and it's like it's it's not a linear system so I think what I really want to emphasize is to not be discouraged if you are advocating for yourself and you aren't getting results immediately or in the near future um stay tr- like stay true to your feelings one thing that mm-hmm. I like I've seen a lot of people do and I've done for myself is log your pain um yeah. so like if you have a calendar and you can just write like intense pain on this day and maybe have it on a consistent basis like even if you're not going to the doctor yet just on your calendar logging your severe pain on which days so that hopefully you'll be able to see some consistencies throughout your cycle and then you can also go to the doctor and be like hey on every like third Thursday I have this and every fourth Friday I have that um, so that they see consistencies and they can't like at that point, they cannot deny you. You're like, this is the problem. I've seen it multiple times. You can no longer deny me. Send me somewhere else. Um, yeah,
1: 100%. 100% agreed.
0: Um, but I kind of wanted to talk a little bit more about kind of your experience as an aspiring educator and kind of what that journey's looked like for you. Because I know this realm is a tricky realm to be in. It's not like, you know the most glamorous or even the most respected as of now. I, I mean, granted I advocate for sexual health all the time, um, mm-hmm. but I do get the looks um, and I do get the like side eyes or I do go to award events and there's people curing cancer and then there's me talking about sex and it's not looked at in the same kind of, granted talking about sex and curing cancer are not the same thing, but it's not, it's not respected in the same manner. So, what does that look like for you? And like, how has that kind of evolved as you've grown with August?
1: Yeah, so it's been really interesting working with August and a period company. And I think that the team is pretty small right now. So we have about, I think, fourteen staff um, across community and content and back end operational stuff. And it's so fun being in those meetings because all of us have just like really normalized talking about periods to the point where i texted my mom the other day and i was like hey i i want you to make some content essentially i was setting her up to make some content for august and i was like when's your next period and she was like um ruby you can't just text me that like that's so invasive <laughs> and i was like oh true like i kind of forgot because i feel like in our team group chat we're like i'm on my period did anyone sync up by coastally like we can't we make jokes about it right um and so yeah. And I, I love seeing the reaction to people when I talk about what I do and how I'm, you know, on TikTok talking about safe sex and orgasms and the fact that you can have sex on on your period. Like that is I got TikTok in October and here I am, you know, um, <laughs> like, for example, I was uh, I guess I was with a couple of friends and they had brought some one other person. Um, we were actually skiing. So we were on a chairlift and they had, it was two people I knew. And then one person I didn't know. And this one friend, I've known him forever. And he was asking me about this, this job and my role. And I was explaining it to him. And then this, this girl, actually, um, the other person who I didn't know, she was like, oh, interesting, like in kind of a condescending way. And she was just kind of being a bit judgmental about it. And I was like, okay, I'm going to drive this home then. And so I really just started talking about everything and being so open and like so loud and obnoxious about the fact that I'm working for a period company. And she, I think I embarrassed her a little bit, but also probably proved my point of like, Hey, like, I don't, I'm not here to be made fun of. And I don't think this is something to take lightly. Like I think what I'm doing is serious and necessary and something that is right for the times. Like, um, you know, something I think as an educator right now and living as like a Gen Z slash millennial person in the world, like there's a cultural shift happening right now where information and public discourse are becoming increasingly accessible due to like social media and globalization and like just having personal platforms to kind of speak your truth and put information out there. And so I don't see a difference between like, period education and any other kind of education like all of it should be made accessible and out there and public um so yeah like my personal instagram has really turned into me being like lol look at this meme i made for august and then (laughs) people interact with that and people now are sending me people i haven't talked to for years will send me period content they'll just dm it to me and and they're like hey ruby like i saw that you're working for maybe maybe it's a school club i'm not really sure like is this a period campaign i'm like no, no, we have 147,000 followers. Like, this is a real brand. Like, <laughs> this, isn't just a, this isn't just a school club, but they're, people are sending me period content all, all the time, which I think is great. Like, even just within my circle, I guess, of Instagram followers and Twitter and TikTok and stuff, like, even if it's just those select people that are being affected, that's awesome, you know? And beyond that, on the August account as well, like, I... Oh, this is a good story i got a dm in i think january from someone who basically said like i've been following august for a couple months now and i just love it and i wanted to say that actually no sorry restart (laughs) i got a dm on my personal account so they had found me this this august follower had found me and they dm'd me and they basically said hey I don't know if you're going to respond to this, but I've been watching your content and I've been seeing what August has been doing for the last couple of months. And it's been so awesome. And I have been talking about it more with my friends and like my experiences and I've learned so much and, you know, I've just been loving it. And she was just like going rambling, 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 a super long message. And I responded right away because I'm on my phone all the time. And I was like, this is so amazing to hear, like so validating, thank you so much for sharing this. And I'm so glad that you're like learning to love your body and learning and just learning generally. And she was like, OMG, you responded. I was like, LOL, as if I'm an influencer, like she didn't think I was gonna respond. This is so amazing. And then it just sparked this conversation and um, she was just so thankful, you know, thankful and appreciative of the platform that August has created and the space for candid conversations to be happening in a really open way and i think that, that that moment a few months ago i was like okay i'm in it for the long haul like i'm going to stick with august and be a period educator for as long as possible
0: that's amazing um yeah i i really think that we're in a like we're in a big shift and i think people are really eager for this information and in education and even people who aren't menstruators mm-hmm. um, which i think is something that i um kind of rattle with all the time like how do i get non menstruators or non fem people to be involved in the conversations with us because we need allies too mm-hmm. um that's going to be how we like move forward um but yeah lino i really appreciate your work with august i think it's amazing i think we we need to keep these conversations going and We need to educate as many people as we can. And I also think that kind of when you were talking earlier about the reaction from that individual um, that wasn't super receptive to your job, I think that a lot of people who aren't receptive to it have a lot of trauma associated with um, whether it's sexual health, sex education, um, or just like their own bodies, like some people are just so against that idea, because they have so many misconceptions. And there's so much generational trauma with sex in general, whether it's the act itself, or just sexual and reproductive rights and justice. Um, so it's really, really interesting to like, think about those folks, and like, just kind of show them a little bit of grace. I think it's something that I rattled with a little bit when I got into this too. Cause I was like, what the fuck did my parents do? Like they didn't teach me anything. Mm -hmm. Um, and then I kind of had to like unlearn that and think through it and be like, no, they were, you know, they were the kids of immigrants. They didn't have this education. They had other things they had to like, they had to learn a new language you know, it was a different, If it was a different time, a different era. And it also wasn't accepted because our, my parents grew up in the, in the, um, like slut era, the F word era, like mm. where everything was just all of that. Um, and it was like super normalized to say all those things. So like a woman advocating for her sex, sexual health, or even just advocating for her periods would have been deemed a slut.
1: Um, we we have a um, we have a an ongoing kind of campaign I guess throughout our socials where we get on my period stories and beyond my period stories so the on my period ones are more like you currently are a menstruator like how do you deal with it and it'll be someone coming on being like you know I have bipolar disorder but I also am a menstruator and like how do those intersect or someone coming on saying like I am a nurse how do I deal with my period when I'm supposed to be taking care of other people day to day but then we also have these beyond my period stories which are the more generational stories about differences and they're so cool um it's been so fun sourcing these and learning about these stories and we've had like my grandma we I did a story with her and she was talking to me well what was funny is that I interviewed her on the phone and I kind of casually brought it up I was like hey I'm working on this campaign for August like do you have any period stories we could talk about? And she was like, oh, I don't know. I don't know at first. And like, I could hear my papa, my grandpa in the background. And I was like, oh my gosh, I wonder if she's ever even talked about her period in front of him. Um, And then she just started talking about it. Like, and just, she's a yacker though. She's or a yapper. (laughs) Like she, she's, she's a talker, right? So she, she just kept going, going, going. And she was telling me how she has never won a tampon in her life because it was stigmatized. And when she was younger, she was told, nope, And like the sanitary belt. I don't know if you've ever seen an image of this. If the listeners haven't, look up a sanitary belt. Hilarious. It's like, I don't, just look up, look up an image. But she was a generation who grew up with a sanitary belt and like the phrase being on the rag and all these kind of stigmatized things around it. And so, yeah, she never wore a tampon. But here's what's funny is that my mom, who's quite like radical, I would say, she's a pretty progressive feminist type human. And she to me even so like within the 2010s you know i got my period i think in like 20 maybe 2010 2011 i was like grade six um she didn't let me wear tampons for the first little bit which was super interesting because she's like got a nose ring and works in the arts and like is very forward and like was letting me watch anything and everything at a young age and then she's like nope no tampons not for you not till you're older and it wasn't until my friends had to show me a diagram uh using Sour Patch Kids I'll let you guys think of that with your imagination to explain like where everything went for a tampon Oh my God. <laughs> and this, and yeah and like I spent years you know trying to hide a pad like in my bathing suit bottoms at camp or like on the swim team and stuff and then yeah and then eventually started using a tampon and I was like what why did I never do this before and It was because this like generational thing was passed down the stigma and so i think that it's up to kind of these current generations of parents and young people like us moving forward starting these conversations getting the conversation going um to end the stigma and you know to just normalize things and it's not even saying like yes you 100 percent need to wear tampons it's just saying you have the option to wear tampons right and saying there these are all the different ways that you can treat your body and manage your period instead of being like don't talk about it, only wear pads, stay home on your period, don't participate in anything, like put on a smile when you're on your period, even if you're not feeling good, don't eat chocolate because you're going to break out and you're going to get fat, yada, 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 like that needs to end, right? We need to start normalizing the conversation about you've got options, it's okay to not be okay, especially on your period. And, you know, there's a whole support system out there for you. I think that all of those things we we need to aim for those. No, I think that's amazing. And for people who are like interested
0: in joining the community or learning more about you or your work at August, do you want to
1: maybe plug all your socials? For sure. So um, I'll plug August first. So August on Instagram, we're It's August. So ITS August. And then on TikTok, Snapchat, um, Twitter. And I think, yeah, we have Pinterest too now. Um, we're, all, we're usually It's August or It's August Co., so, you'll find us. We have our symbols, like a nice little lavender background and a, and a, red, um, a red A. Um, and then we have a website, it's august.co, where you can find our hoodies and our database of free and accessible period related questions and answers. So, that's called Ask August. Um, so, that's our big resource that we've been working on. Um, and that's all completely medically verified by our doctors. And then I would say, without saying too much, Definitely keep an eye out because we have some fun things in the works and some really important initiatives we're, we're preparing to do with the tampon tax and period poverty and general education. So yeah, come follow along for all of that. Um, My personal Instagram is ruby with two y's underscore moon. um, And I pretty much just post a lot about August there too. So um, yeah, that's where to find me.
0: Well, thank you so much for coming on the podcast. I'm like so happy that we got to discuss this. I don't know why it's taken me so long to find someone to talk about periods with, but I'm,
1: I'm really glad you're here. Yeah, I'm so excited um, to see how it all comes out and to hear the response. And if anyone has questions, just come over and ask August.
0: If you're interested in hearing more episodes like this,
1: make sure to subscribe to the Ladies Let's
0: Talk About Sex podcast. Also, if you're interested in advocating for Sexual Health, Sex and Self is having our month-long fundraiser this May. With more information, you can check us out at www.sexandself.com events for more information about our successful fundraiser. Thanks for listening!